The chairman of the Federal Reserve has a big job. The agency has huge influence over the U.S. economy. Sometimes the Fed is like a fourth branch of government. That's our colleague Nick Timoros, who covers the Fed. You think of the Supreme Court for, you know, interpreting the laws of the United States. Well, you can think of the Fed as being the agent of economic stabilization in the United States. And the decisions they make are oftentimes just as important and just as heavily scrutinized by financial markets as the Supreme Court. The current Fed chairman is Jerome Powell, and he's run the agency during a particularly tough economic period, the COVID pandemic. We've never been through an economic situation like this. Normally what happens is the economy goes into a downturn because something overheats in the economy. But here, we were telling everybody, stay in your homes, don't come out, you know, don't get on airplanes, don't go to restaurants. Many economists credit Powell with helping the U.S. avoid total economic disaster. But his term is expiring soon. And the Biden administration is trying to decide whether to reappoint Powell or replace him with someone more progressive. It's an incredibly important decision for the U.S. economy, as we've seen over the past year. And who you have leading the Fed matters. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, July 27th. Coming up on the show, after managing one of the toughest economic crises in U.S. history, will Jerome Powell keep his job? This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. In the past, whether the chair of the Federal Reserve would get reappointed by the White House wasn't much of a question, because they almost always did. There had been a tradition since the 1980s that presidents would reappoint a Fed chair who was seen as doing a good job. Now, there were political reasons for them to do that, right? They prize stability in the markets. And so if the markets think somebody's doing a good job, you probably don't want to change that person. Donald Trump broke that precedent in 2017 when he decided not to offer a second term to Janet Yellen. Yellen was a Democrat appointed by the Obama administration. And Nick says that Trump wanted to make his own pick, someone with a softer stance on bank regulation. But Trump also knew that there was a risk in changing the Fed's leadership. Republicans didn't want a Democrat, Janet Yellen, somebody who had been very tough on bank regulation, to continue at the Fed. And so he concluded that he could probably get the same kind of market stability, continuity, by keeping someone who had voted in lockstep on monetary policy with Janet Yellen, but who was a Republican. Trump found what he was looking for in Jerome Powell, who'd been on the Fed's Board of Governors since 2012. Powell was appointed Fed chair in 2017. I'm humbled and honored by this opportunity to serve the American people. Jay Powell was sort of an unknown person in Washington. He is not a PhD economist. He took a little bit different approach to the job as more of a plain-spoken everyman 
Someone who used to work at the Fed called him the Jimmy Stewart of monetary policy. He was trying to demystify what the Fed did. As I begin my term, I want to stress my commitment to explaining what we're doing and why we're doing it. A big reason Powell wanted more transparency was because of what happened during the 2008 financial crisis. A lot of people thought the Fed hadn't done enough to prevent the housing bubble, and the Fed's reputation took a beating. All of a sudden, people wanted to know, well, geez, where were you? What were you guys doing all these years, letting the banks operate like casinos? So it was a very humbling experience for the Fed. And Powell concluded that the institution couldn't hide under its desk anymore, that it had to be more small p political. He had to get out there and burnish the Fed's brand, make people realize that this wasn't just some secret cabal of bankers who met every six weeks to decide on interest rates. So Powell started communicating more with Congress, and he did more media appearances. One of the first things Powell had to communicate was that the Fed needed to raise interest rates. Interest rates were kept low after the 2008 crisis to stimulate the economy. But by 2018, the Fed had started to raise them, and Powell felt that the economy was finally healthy enough to raise them even more. The interests of households and businesses, of savers and borrowers, were no longer best served by such extraordinarily low rates. And he wanted to raise interest rates in part to prevent a problem he saw on the horizon, inflation. That's why we're gradually raising interest rates is so that we can you know, put some mass on the possibility that inflation will move up quicker than we think and not just assume that it will always be at 2%. That's the practical uh, way we can navigate between moving too fast and moving too slow is to move gradually. But President Trump objected. He wanted interest rates to stay low so the economy would grow faster. Donald Trump wanted the economy to go up like a rocket. He wanted jet fuel in the economy. So we had tax cuts to spur growth, and he wanted low interest rates to spur growth. And again, the Fed doesn't want the economy to go up like a rocket because rockets come crashing back down to earth. How did Jerome Powell respond to that pressure from Trump to lower interest rates? He mostly ignored it. Publicly, it was an uncomfortable position to be in because traditionally, presidents had adopted this position of not really commenting on interest rates. Donald Trump wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to be silent about what he thought the Fed should be doing with interest rates. And so he attacked Powell, and Powell said, look, we're not going to take politics into consideration. Eventually, Powell did decide to keep rates low, but only after the economy took a hit as a result of the trade war with China. The Fed cut interest rates three times in 2019 because there was more uncertainty about what was happening in the economy partly because of the trade war, partly because global growth may have been slowing on account of the Fed's earlier rate increases. It looked like Powell had blinked. Trump is out there saying, stop raising interest rates, and the Fed stopped raising interest rates. And it was a problem for the Fed because they had to, there was no way to convince people that you weren't acting at the behest of the president, even if you were acting for your own reasons. One problem with low interest rates is that if there's an economic downturn, the Fed doesn't have much room to cut rates to stimulate the economy. Normally, in a downturn, the Fed has been able to cut interest rates by around five percentage points. And when interest rates are only at two or two and a half percent, you do the math, you're not going to be able to get the same normal response in a downturn. You're not going to be able to get as much growth, perhaps as much stimulus as you had in the past. And that was a concern. And an economic downturn did come when the pandemic hit. 
Well, the coronavirus is spreading to more countries around the world. And this is the fastest correction in the entire history of the stock market. The sell-off was so bad that a circuit breaker was triggered minutes after. At the end of February 2020, when it looked like this pandemic was not going to stay, you know, the, the virus was not going to stay inside China, markets went crazy. There were real stresses. It was an emergency in the markets. Millions of Americans would soon be unemployed, and the Fed launched into action. But with interest rates already so low, just around 1.5%, the Fed didn't have very far to cut. During a series of emergency meetings in March, the agency dropped interest rates to zero. But it wasn't enough. So the week of March 23rd, they announced even more aggressive actions that went far beyond anything they had done in the 2008 financial crisis. They said, we are going to buy the bonds of highly rated American companies in order to make sure that those businesses can roll over their existing loans and pay their workers. That on top of the spending bill that Congress passed, that really helped put a floor under the market. How did people view Powell's handling of the crisis? Initially, it was quite controversial, but over time, including up to today, you know, people in Congress are pretty happy with what the Fed did. And part of that's because, you know, this recovery has unfolded much faster, much better than I think people expected a year ago. We still have 7 million people compared to before the pandemic who are out of work, but it doesn't look like we're going to be going through a years-long slog here as long as the virus doesn't, you know, resurface in some terrible way. And so people give Powell a lot of credit for that. But then, after managing one problem, another problem popped up. Inflation. And it's happening just when Powell's first term is nearly up. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. One side effect of all that cash the Fed and Congress have been pouring into the economy through low interest rates, bond buybacks, and stimulus checks is that people are spending more and pushing up prices on consumer goods. There is a new problem that you've probably noticed, rising inflation. Inflation rose 5.4% over the past year, the biggest jump in inflation in 13 years. At the grocery store, at the gas pump, it is costing more to buy just about anything you need right now. While some economists are alarmed by the rise in inflation, Powell is not as concerned, at least not yet. You know, he's concerned. The question is, is he concerned enough to do anything about it right now? And the answer to that is no. In testimony before the Senate two weeks ago, Powell said that the inflation we're seeing now is likely temporary. This is a shock going through the system associated with reopening of the economy. 
And to the extent it is temporary, it wouldn't be appropriate to react to it. One argument against raising interest rates is that higher rates can slow down the economy, and that makes it harder for people to find jobs. Nobody thinks that the unemployment rate we have right now is a desirable place to be. So the Fed wouldn't want to get into a position where they're having to raise interest rates to deal with an inflation problem when you still have high unemployment. Powell actually wants to extend this thinking beyond just the current turmoil. His view is that slightly higher inflation can be okay, so long as it's helping keep the unemployment rate down. Progressives have generally been supportive of what the Fed has been doing. They are happy to see the Fed putting more emphasis on the employment side of its mandate. Still, some progressives think the Biden administration should replace Powell when his term ends in February. The administration is expected to announce a decision around Labor Day. Some Democrats don't like where Powell has gone on bank regulation. They think he's been too soft on the banks. Some Democrats want the Fed to play a more activist role on climate change. Powell hasn't really been willing to do that because he says, look, if we want lawmakers to respect the Fed's independence, we can't get into other things like climate where that isn't where our mandate is. Our mandate is to make sure inflation isn't a problem and that unemployment is low. Some Democrats say they want Biden to choose a Fed chair who's not only tougher on bank regulation and more active on climate change, but one who would also add diversity to federal leadership. And there's one person who seems to check all those boxes, Fed Governor Lael Brainerd. Lael Brainerd is an economist who was appointed to the Fed's board by Barack Obama in 2014. She's a very well-regarded economist. She has supported every step of the way, really, the Fed's push to rethink how it sets interest rates with an eye towards allowing unemployment to fall maybe lower than in the past, not being so preemptive about inflation. But she has disagreed with Powell and she's formally dissented on votes to ease up on bank regulation, which makes her popular with, you know, Democratic Party progressives like Elizabeth Warren. So how much of a departure do you think she would be policy-wise from Powell? Policy-wise, she would deliver most likely the same kind of continuity with Powell's policies that Powell uh, delivered with Janet Yellen's policies. So in some ways, if Joe Biden ends up replacing Powell with Brainerd, it'll be very parallel to how Donald Trump replaced Janet Yellen with Jay Powell. Powell and Brainerd declined to comment on the future leadership of the Fed. The White House also wouldn't comment on specific candidates, but said Biden will consult with his economic team and make a decision in, quote, a timely manner. What's the argument for keeping Powell in the job? The argument for keeping Powell is that you really prize stability at this point. And so if you think he's done a good job, if you agree with his view that the inflation episode we're going through is probably going to moderate, that's an argument for keeping Powell. The other argument is he's popular. He's popular on Capitol Hill. You could probably get between 65 and 80 senators, Republicans and Democrats, to vote for him. And at a time when you see that it's hard to get stuff done on Capitol Hill right now, that's not nothing. In the, in the debate over whether or not to replace Powell, how significant is this sort of looming inflation that we're seeing? What's happened with inflation this year, I think, really puts an exclamation point on how important the job is of the Fed. 
And that means you really care a lot about who's running the place because you want to make sure you get this right. If the Fed decides right now that inflation is going to be out of control and so they're going to raise interest rates and they're wrong about that, that means you are keeping a lot of people out of the workforce who might otherwise be able to get jobs. But, you know, if in six months it looks like, gee, maybe price pressures are here to stay and we're going to have to, you know, put our foot on the brake a little bit more, that's that's a decision I think they recognize they may need to make. I, I would guess they sure hope they don't have to do that because it'll be painful for them politically and it could be painful uh, for financial markets and the economy. So they're going to keep a pretty good eye on it. That's all for today, Tuesday, July 27th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Andrew Rustuccia. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.